Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Guys, this is the episode that you have all been waiting for and that so many of you keep asking me, when are you going to do this episode, Renee? I want to know. I want to know. So here it is. uh, The five traits, and I've put it down to five, that young adults want most in their pastors and leaders. So in the You Lost Me little series that I haven't kind of done week by week, if you look back over the last kind of few episodes, you'll see that I've done them every couple of weeks. But um, we've been unpacking why young adults are moving or leaving church altogether and really have been, I've been focusing on exploring what it is that young adults are looking for in a church community. So if you go all the way back to episode 176. So that was 10 episodes ago, guys. I talked about what young adults want from church, what they're looking for. And then fast forward a few more episodes. So number 184, uh, I did You Lost Me, Why Young Adults Are Moving or Leaving Churches Altogether. And so here we are, episode 186, the one you've been waiting for, the kind of pastors who are keeping young adults in their churches. And I'm going to unveil today the survey that I took that so many of you have been busting to hear, that I've had so many messages going, please share, please share, what were the results um, about the kinds of pastors that we do or don't want? Uh, Now, I've been able to put it into five particular things, like out of all of the um, amazing number of responses, I've been able to kind of nut it down into five categories, which we're about to go through. Uh, you're probably going to hear me talking fast today so that I get through everything. But you know, even today, I was talking to one of our girls uh, from our church, and she's moved to us fairly recently. And do you know what one of the other leaders from her, uh, like another church uh, has been asking her? She goes, Renee, this is what they ask me all the time. So how many people are at public church? And she shook her head and I shook my head because this is everything that is wrong, guys, right here. Because these things like numbers just don't matter to most young adults. But a lot of young adults are still asking those questions because they've been trained that way because they're mimicking what they hear from those above them. But this girl, she knows that those things don't matter to us and it does not matter to her at all. Um, Now, of course, we want a thriving, healthy church. Everybody wants that. That's not what we're talking about. But there are so many things about how leaders have previously built churches where some of these things are really great and we can take them and build upon them. But there are others that just do not resonate with the young adult generation anymore. And I love, I said to this girl, what did you reply? What was your answer? And I loved it. She goes, I don't know. I don't sit there and count every week. But what I do know is I've never felt the power of God so strong week after week on a Sunday. I was like, good answer. Good job. So, um, 
Let me just, before we get into the five, um, there was some recent research from Barna, which I have talked about in my other episodes. Uh, but according to Barna, and this is a huge statistic. In fact, this is one of the most widely endorsed statements, the statement I'm about to make across their entire global research. So out of everything that they've researched and all of the stuff they've come up with, this statement is one of the most widely endorsed statements. And that is that we are in a leadership crisis. So 82% of young adults, according to Barna Research, are saying we're in a leadership crisis. So four out of five young adults say that society is facing a leadership crisis because there are not enough good leaders right now. That is huge. 82% of young adults that agree. And like I said, the most widely endorsed statement right across all the Barna research is that there's a crisis of leadership because there are not enough good leaders. So that's the big question today in the opinion of young adults. Therefore, well, guys, what makes a great leader? And so that's what I did. Now, some of the answers to this question, what makes a great leader or what kind of pastor is it that you're after? Some of these qualities are timeless and they rise above time and culture and generation. But a lot of the qualities you're going to hear me talk about today are more specific to this new generation coming through. So what did I do on my Instagram? I asked two questions. I asked firstly, what attributes do you want in a pastor? And then I thought I'd be a bit more game. And I said, okay, what attributes most put you off in a pastor? Now, guys, you can hear this in front of me. Have a, have a listen to all the paper I've got. Probably doesn't sound like a lot of paper, but believe me, there is a lot of paper here with all the answers in my hot little hand in front of me that I'm going to share as I go through these five traits with you today. So the other thing I want you to know is I'm going to talk in first person as a pastor because I am a pastor. So I want you to know that I'm owning this. I'm not doing a, you know, this is not to criticize. Um, it is not to put pastors down. Um, because I am a pastor. I think if we can all be very open-minded, um, because if we if we know better, we do better. And I always say that. It's one of my sayings in life. I say it to my kids. When we know better, then we can do better. And if we've got all these young adults that are coming and talking to us and telling us what it is that they want, well, if we know that, then we can do better. And so I'm owning this today. And I hope you are also open Um pastors and leaders. If you're a pastor or leader listening to this, I hope that you are open to what you're about to hear. And to those of you who are on the other side, maybe you're not the pastor or leader, you're the attender, you're the young adult. I hope that you guys also are compassionate and grace-filled and understand that ultimately most pastors are actually doing their best um, they're not perfect. We are not perfect. And we're just trying to do our best with, um, with what we have. And I think a lot of pastors are trying to do the best with, um, how they know to do that. So maybe what we can do is all be better together as we communicate and listen to one another. So here we go for the first one. The first thing that young adults were telling us guys, remember I'm saying us, cause I am a pastor as well is number one, you matter 
over I matter. That's what they're wanting. They're wanting you matter over I matter. So in other words, they're wanting pastors who care more about them than about ourselves. Pastors who care more about others than ourselves. They want to know, young adults want to know that they matter to us, that we care about them more than what we care about ourselves. That leading a church is not about making us as pastors look good, but it's about the true job of pastoring. And to be honest, I think pastors are getting caught up in a bit of this competitive thing where where there's this pressure that pastors are feeling pressure to be performing and to have certain numbers. And and perhaps that's what's driving this care towards themselves over the people. I think that comparison is a huge thing amongst pastors. Um, They they're watching us guys. Young adults are watching us to ascertain how much do they care about themselves compared to how much they care about us. So I had someone the other day say to me, my husband was at the altar on his knees and I watched and you came and you crouched down beside him and you prayed. And this girl said to me, I knew in that moment that we have pastors who will get down in the mud with us instead of us having to get on a ladder to get to you. And it really struck me when she said that. And gosh, guys, certainly not. I do not have it all together and I'm not perfect. But I just, when she said that, I was like, man, I mean, I've had people say to me things like, um, you know, I think I've said this before, there was a mum whose little girl was kind of crawling all around on the floor. So I just thought it'll be easier for me to chat with her on the floor because she's trying to look after her daughter. And everyone was mesmerized by that. Like everyone was talking about it afterwards. Oh my gosh, Renee got down on the floor. Now I'm like, how far have we gone as pastors that, what kind of an example have we been setting in general that people are uh, surprised when we get down on the floor to pray with someone, or they're surprised that we sit down on the floor to talk to someone. And so I think that's a huge takeaway, but just that, that, that analogy, that picture of, you know, this girl saying, I'm so glad I've got pastors who will get down in the, in the mud, in the dirt of life, instead of us having to get up on a ladder to get to you, which, which is very telling in itself. So you guys want pastors who are in the thick of life with you, who are not busy arranging their next speaking gig, who stand at the door and welcome you and are amongst you. And pastors who create this, hey, we're family, we're all in this together. And it's not that you guys don't want your pastors to travel or speak at other places or, you know, to have to at times look after guests. It's just that you want to matter to them than all of that other stuff. They want to, you guys want to know that when your heart bleeds, our heart bleeds, that when you celebrate, that we're celebrating with you, that when your heart is broken, that we're going to come and sit in the dark with you, that when you make a mistake, that we're still going to embrace you and help you back up on your feet. So let me directly um, quote some of the things that came across on on my Instagram on this whole number one, you over um, that you matter more than I matter. Here are some direct quotes from you guys. You wanted us to care more about our, um, sorry, you don't want pastors who care more about their followers than their 
Sorry, let me say it again. Sorry, I'm reading this wrong. You want pastors who care more about their followers than their follower count. So talking about people versus Instagram. You want uh, a pastor that actually pastors, uh, one who hasn't lost touch with the common Christian, who is in their world every day, pastors who want you for you, not what you can do, pastors who are amongst the congregation, who welcome at the entrance, who take your journey seriously, pastors who are there when things get tough, who genuinely want to see you flourish and do life with you, who empathize with my weakness, who care more for the people than the service, and who don't just sit by if one goes astray. So that was all around number one, that you guys wanted you matter over I matter. Number two, the thing the top in the top five traits young adults want is a pastor who has substance over style. This one's fascinating, substance over style. There was a study, <coughs> excuse me, of over 250 congregations in America where they came to this conclusion. So this is not just what you guys are telling me. This is like, this has been studied. I'm reading this over and over. Substance over style. So it turns out that cool pastors are amongst the list of things that young adults do not really care about and that do not want. Now, this study was done over a four-year period with churches who were effectively reaching 15 to 29-year-olds. And there were a range of churches from new plants to churches that had existed for more than a century. Because I hear that, by the way, can I just stop and debunk a myth that really aggravates me and annoys me? Because I've heard someone um, not that long ago, um, another pastor actually, say this about public, and it's very frustrating to me, that public, oh, the reason we do well is because we're new, we're a church plant, and therefore we're the latest trending thing. And so that's what young adults want. They're just going to leave their church and go to the latest trending thing. No, that is a myth that I want to debunk right now, and the studies back me up on this. It's not just new churches that are the latest fad that young adults are attracted to because they equally can be attracted to a church that is over a century old. You can be a church plant and young adults might not be attracted to you. In fact, I would say many are not because do you know how much work a church plant is, guys? It is not for the faint-hearted. So there are many young adults that maybe don't want to be a part of that. In fact, let's just debunk all those myths because it turns out that Uh, The whole style thing really doesn't matter as much as substance because there are all sorts of churches that young adults are attracted to. So you can't just say it's, you know, a bigger church or a church with a newer building or a church with a celebrity pastor. It turns out that they like old. Some are attracted to new. Some people like um, older buildings. Some people like newer buildings. There was also no preferred church size. So People didn't, you know, some people, I hear them lately mocking the mega church and, oh, it's all about the smaller church. No, there's a church for everybody. Some young adults like a smaller community. Some young adults prefer a mega sized community and everything in between. You guys don't care about trendy locations, specific dom- denominations, or even culturally relevant teaching. It also turns out you don't care either as much as what we think you do about the facility. 
which makes sense because our public Brisbane facility is um, a little bit ugly. Uh, But it doesn't matter. That is not why you guys are coming. You don't have to have state-of-the-art facilities. This is probably going to be so relieving to some of you to hear this. Um, Now, some in the study, they did want that new kind of building. Other people, they did not care. So basically, the takeaway is that the style, the look, the cool factor, the celebrity pasta factor, the facilities, the outside, none of that matters as much as what is going on on the inside. It is not the style. It is the substance of what is going on that matters to young adults. So let's look at some of your comments because you had quite a bit to say about this. So let me quote directly from your guys' stuff that you sent me. You do not want pastors who chase the spotlight. You do not want when their their Instagrams speaks and looks like they've got it all together. You don't want a pastor that acts differently off the stage to on, who is arrogant or cocky. That one came up over and over. You are not interested in showmanship, celebrity hype, empty words, or undelivered promises. You don't like manufactured culture. So this is all the kind of style stuff that we think that young adults are attracted to, that you are specifically saying, this is not what you want. You don't want um, pastors who use their title Uh, or ones that go on and on about numbers, or ones who talk as if they've achieved things rather than God, who uh, like the limelight and riches, or whose word on stage is fire, but then they don't mingle and they act famous. And finally, pastors who are driven by accolades. So that kind of fitted in with what Um, what I was saying there with number two, that young adults want substance over style. So number one, they want you matter over I, the pastor matters. Number two, they want substance over style. Number three, you guys, this pleased my heart no end. You guys want character over competency. You would prefer character, a good character of your pastors and leaders, than talent, than competency. Guys, there is a magnifying glass aimed at every church leader, especially church, uh, senior leadership right now. And this is the thing. Don't bother telling young adults that you have good character. They want us to show them. Don't tell them that we are authentic. Show them. If they had to choose between a less skilled pastor who had impeccable, beautiful character or a more talented pastor with maybe slightly questionable character, they would choose the character with the less talent every single time. So us um, pastors in the public eye, unfortunately, because we're in the public eye, when a pastor has a fall, it is very public. It is usually quite spectacular. Um, But I think this is one of the reasons that this matters more than ever to this generation, which is really interesting because even when I was growing up, there were pastors that, um, that had terrible moral falls or, you know, um, in the public eye, but it just seems to rock this generation more than what it perhaps rocked my generation. Um, because our character really, really matters to them because integrity and authenticity really, really matters to them. 
you know, and in the light of some of the stuff that's happened recently, you know, we've all heard about Carl Lance and Brian Houston and, you know, despite what they may or may not have done, and I don't want to get into that conversation in this space, but despite any of that, these disappointments are increasingly harder for this generation to come back from. So they're really looking for good examples and role models. So do you know the one character trait that came up over and over and over and over in my survey? I was really, I must say, this is probably the one thing that surprised me. And that was the one thing that they wanted more than anything else in their pastor was humility. And then on the flip side, the one thing that turned them off more than anything that kept coming up over and over and over was arrogance and cockiness. I thought that was really, really interesting. So let me quote again from the direct um, comments that you guys made to me on social media. What was it that you said about humility? These are the kinds of things that they're looking for, the character trait, particularly humility in a pastor. They want a pastor who is humble, who leads by example in the small things as well as the big. Uh, Again, humility as it demonstrates the love of God. Uh, They want a pastor who loves Jesus wholeheartedly and not their image. I think that's where the word humility comes in here, guys. I think they take it that pastors who care so much about their image and who are trying to cultivate their image are not humble. I think that's where this is coming from. Which kind of relates back to number two, what we were just talking about, that they want substance over style. So I kind of put those, those two things together, that... Um, that humility comes with the fact that, you know, they don't care about all the style and the coolness and all that. They want pastors with humility. They want pastors relatable who are willing to admit when they've done something wrong. I thought that was, that one came up quite a bit and who correct their behavior. Pastors who own their mistakes and aren't perfect. They're not expecting us to be perfect. They just want us to be honest. Uh, What else did they say? Pastors with no ego pastors who go through their own struggles with integrity, pastors who are influential but humble and full of faith but don't think they're above you. Now, what are some other characteristics that they that you guys told me you wanted? This, this is probably the number one thing. The number one thing in all of the stuff you guys sent to me revolved around a pastor's character. So um, other than humility, you guys said that you wanted a pastor who was honest, caring, and approachable, uh, a pastor who does family well and are the same on and off the platform, a pastor who is authentic and real, uh, genuine, relational, strong, and kind, who leads by example, a pastor who is vulnerable and authentic, who lives a genuine godly life, who lives a bud brother approach. You wanted a pastor who was a thinker, who was bold, who was unmoved, who did not apologize for speaking truth, who are an example in their marriage, their parenting, their finance, and their work ethic, who have their personal life together, who live their walk, and who do not have an air of superiority. Now, the other thing that I thought was quite kind of funny was you also gave me quite a list of the things you don't like when it comes to character. You don't like it if us pastors are rude or cocky, if we're socially disengaged, if we're rude on the floor and then get up on the stage, 
if we show no appreciation outside of church. So that was someone that um, had done some pro bono work for another church and the pastor never thanked them. Um, another, this one, this one made me laugh. You don't like it when our voice changes on the platform. Okay. So you don't like a fake preacher voice. Uh, you don't like when we have naughty kids. I'll say amen to that. Um, and elitism. So there you go. So character really matters. All right. So what have we done so far? Number one, what matters to you is that you matter more than what we matter, that we put you first rather than ourselves. Number two, you prefer substance over style. And number three, character over competency. Okay, number four, you want us to listen over talking. Listen over talking. Now, this was not so much that I got feedback on this one from you guys, but I know this one to be huge. And I've talked quite extensively about this in episode 184. But uh, it's probably something I think young adults don't fully realize that you want, but that you really need. This is something that I see that you might not be able to articulate yet, but you really, really respond to. This is something that we have built, that I've built the whole Youth Alive Academy over, that we listen to you guys more than talking at you. And I think the reason is that this generation has got a desire for collaboration. You need um, your faith to make sense in today's context. And so you need to be able to do that, not by us telling you how it makes sense, but so that you can work that through yourself. Uh, you want to be able to have a place to wrestle with the tough conversations. And you guys do not want church to stay away from politics, which, by the way, is something I was always told growing up. In fact, even recently, over the um, all of the vaccine mandates and all of that stuff that happened, I still heard pastors saying, what? Nothing to see here. Stay out of politics. You have got to be kidding me. If you as a pastor think, if we as pastors think that we are to stay out of politics then we're going to become irrelevant very, very quickly because it really, really matters. What is happening in the political land, land, you know, land, I can't think, landscape, that's the word, really, really matters. I mean, you saw what just happened in the last election where a lot of people are voting for the Greens because of climate change. So if we're not going to be talking about these things with our young people, then we're going to become really irrelevant to the kinds of conversations they want to have. So Church and politics do mix. They, they mix very, very much. Uh, so the key word here is conversation. Um, you know, listening, it's two-way. Uh, they don't want pastors who are always talking at them. You guys don't want us to be giving you the answers. You don't want us to enforce our opinion. You need us to listen of course you need us. It doesn't mean that we stay silent and you do all the talking, but it's two-way conversation that gives you room to talk, to thrash out your ideas, because this is how you guys, by the way, actually come to a stronger faith. I have seen that in the last seven years of running the Youth Alive Academy, that the ones who become strongest in their faith are not afraid to have conversations about really tough topics and how our faith fits in um, with those daily issues that you are all facing. And 
you guys want to be able to think things out and wrestle things out for yourself because you're not just believing, going to believe things because we as pastors tell you to believe. You're going to believe because you've been allowed to arrive at that and to have those revelations for yourself. So, uh, you know, and for us who are pastors and leaders here, believe me, I get it. We're going to hear them get it wrong and it's mortifying and it's so hard not to shake them by the shoulders and want to correct, you know, young people. Um, but you know, there will be times when we're going to listen to them and go, holy moly, that's not biblical. Um, how can the heck can they even believe that? But guys, it's okay. Ask them more questions, ask questions to make them think. Um, if they want to have that opinion, don't try and force your view onto them explore together. Let's say, hey guys, let's look at the fruit of that down the track. So um, a couple of things directly from the research that I did on um, Instagram was that you guys actually said you don't want woke pastors. And in other words, you're happy for us to be standing for the truth. So that was good to hear. And also you don't like it when we put our convictions on other people. Okay, guys, you're doing so good. That's the first four the first four. Okay. Number five, um, I will land it here. This is a really big takeaway for something that pastors could, uh, really take away from today and start, um, really putting into practice straight away. And that is that you guys, young adults, you want transformational over transactional leaders. You want pastors who have got transformational leadership, not transactional. Let me explain that. This is huge. Now, the I was with a girl today who kept saying to me, Renee, when I was at my other church, because she's moved um, states, she goes, where, when I came from where, where I was, I just was plugging holes. If a job needed doing, I did it. And I was happy to do that, but there was no conversation about maybe, you know, what did God put in my heart? And I didn't do things because they believed in me, but because my leaders needed me to do a task. Now, if you want to read more about transformational leadership instead of over transactional, Claire Madden has written about this extensively in one of the best books that I've read because it's Australian and it's called Hello Gen Z. This generation, she says are about collaboration. They want to be part of the process. They want to participate in the journey and they love nothing better than realizing that they themselves are being transformed as they serve and they're part of a church community. So that's what I'm talking about. So young adults don't want us just to give them a list of things to do and a list of tasks to perform. What they want us to do is to be part of leadership, be, be led by pastors and leaders where they themselves are transformed from the inside out along the journey. Now, don't get me wrong. They still want to be led. They are not asking for a, hey, you know, let's do this as a team and then nobody's going to lead the way. That will just frustrate them because that's chaos. They still want a leader. They want a pastor. They're hungry for someone with vision and confidence who knows where we're going together as opposed to a leader who knows where they are going and everyone else is just there to do some jobs along the way to help him or her get there. Okay. Transactional leadership 
doesn't work for them. That's the whole, here's a list of things to do. Hey, we need people on the host team. You, you're in, you're on host team. You know, just that tick and flick list of have to do's. They particularly do not want us to be the kind of leaders where they feel like they have to do certain things to be accepted by us, that they have to serve in certain capacities to be accepted by us. So the pastors who reward people, you know, with platform positions for being loyal to them, those days are over. So this generation, you guys are wanting to be part of something amazing. And what I love about you is that you will actually serve hardcore. You will serve a big vision when you feel like you are collaborating and you're a part of the process. So what happens then, us pastors, we become more like a coach. So gone is the day of this hierarchical leadership. Now, that doesn't mean that respect goes out the window or honor goes out the window, but the approach is for us not being the hierarchical, you know, hierarchy sitting on our throne in the green room, but we, they're looking for us to be more like a coach, like a wrapping our arms around the team, wearing this together. I remember I don't know if we've done this recently, but when we first started Public Brisbane and we were at the at the Sunpack, on the Sunday morning, just before all the people were coming and we'd go and chat to people and then open the doors, I remember Isaiah would get all the volunteers together just for like 20 seconds and everyone would put their hands in the middle, all like a pylon, all on top of each other. And then one person would choose a word, some motivational word of the day, and then on the count of three, we'd all cheer that word together. And um it was a real funny thing to do. And I remember walking in on it so many times. And um, But what it did was it made us feel like we're all in this together. Like where, you know, Isaiah wasn't, you know, the location pastor sitting, having his coffee in the green room. Like he had been out there helping put everything up, set everything up. Uh, but we'd all prayed together. And, um, and then everyone did the quick pile on and everyone loved it. We felt like, and we still do, that we're building something amazing together. Um, even another example, we recently have done a series called IOYSB. I love you so bad. It's like a human connection series that we love doing. And we put two of our um, creative girls in charge of the photo shoot. Now, Izzy was still there. I was actually still there that night because I was running a creative night. Uh, and we put a call out on Instagram. Hey, anyone want to come be part of this shoot? And these girls went to work and oh my gosh, I was more fascinated filming. I think I kept filming the girls, what they were doing as they were taking the photographs. They were like, they were like, they were at their own little mini fashion show, parade show. Like it was so cute. Like they were directing this behind the scenes shoot and they were bouncing off each other. And honestly, the girls' work, they have created some of the most amazing photographic content that I've ever seen on a church Instagram. Go and, go and check it out if you want. It's just amazing. And, and it's two, two, of our, two of our girls. They've, um, they've never done a whole you know, shoot like that before with us. And it was amazing. Um, I think this is one of the huge successes of Youth Alive, this whole transformation over transactional. Um, and some people couldn't see that when Cameron and I kind of steered away from some of the big events for a while and we went back to local grassroots levels. And I remember Mike Pilavachi prophesying this over us that God had given us a new blueprint to build youth alive by. 
and the large-scale events were not being well attended right across Australia. And I think this was part of the reason. It was becoming about spectating instead of participating. It was becoming about um, this transaction instead of this transformation. And so we decided this was not working anymore. And so we brought Youth Alive back to local grassroots levels and youth groups began building together. And so we had, um, well, we, we started United We Stand, which is the largest um, evangelical out Christian outreach that has ever been done in Australia, where on one night, on one night, we had a hundred um, events running on one night, um, where we saw 30,000 young people coming together around Australia. And so when you look at that, the transformation that happened where collectively a hundred youth pastors got to preach a salvation message instead of one American celebrity pastor that we would often like fly in. A hundred different youth bands got to play together instead of one band on the stage. There's never been so much unity between youth groups across Australia, but particularly here in Queensland, where um, obviously where Cameron and I are. So we've really worked hard on that. So a couple of things that you guys said on this before I finish up. You guys said that um, on this transformation over transaction, you want pastors who push you to grow and who give you the opportunity to grow, um, that you don't like this expectation that you guys have to be available to church 100% of the time. I think that's part of that. We have to redo how, relook at how we um, use our volunteers. Our thing at our church is, if everybody shares a little bit of the load and we all take responsibility together. Um, Another thing you guys said is that you don't like it when we pastors talk terribly to volunteers and then excuse it with, oh, we've just got to get things done. You don't like it when we use people for our own ends. So there you go. All right. So let me quickly go over those five things again. I'm remembering these from the top of my head. Number one, you guys want you matter over I, the pastor matters. Um, number two, I've already forgotten because I've got so many things running through my brain. Um, so, oh, substance over style, which I love hearing. Number three, one of the most important to you, character over competency. Number four, you want us to listen over talking. And number five, transformational leaders over, you prefer transformation over transaction. We did it, guys. That was everything. I'm actually so heartened. I love these five traits that young adults want from us pastors and leaders because Cameron and I have been watching for a long, long time. We have been in quite a few environments now. We've definitely observed hundreds of environments. And guys, to be honest, we have wrestled with these things. I feel like we were maybe 20 years before you guys, before the young adults. Cameron and I have wrestled with these things for a long time. And to hear you guys saying them now is literally music to our soul. Um, it just confirms that for, for us, that we've actually had our finger on the pulse, um, which is a really good thing for us to, to know. Um, you know, we've wrestled with things over the years, like why have pastors used interns as car cleaners and house cleaners? I have never used an intern, neither of camera or I, um, to, to mow our lawns or clean our house or babysit our kids ever. 
Um, you know, we've always felt there's been this disconnect with the green rooms. We've always been concerned about the, the ambition we see of trying to get invited to speak at various spaces. Uh, we've been saddened as leaders have lost their way in celebrity culture and equally saddened that, you know, people, um, kind of, you know, have, have, liked it we've enabled it in a way i guess by by responding to that and allowing it um you know we have been disturbed over the years at how mesmerized pastors have become by big numbers and people who give lots of money in the offering and that kind of thing and um it seems to have become more that you know past being a pastor has become a career and that perhaps we've just lost our way a little bit and lost the reason that we do it all for in the first place and the reason that we do it all is for you. And I know that in return, you are not expecting perfection. And, you know, I want to talk to you guys about the flip side one day about what it's like to be a pastor and to have everyone have expectations upon you where, you know, I'm just a human being. And sometimes I, because I feel so responsible towards you guys, I can tend to feel really weighed down if I've got everybody's expectation on me. Um, and that's why I think, um, please be compassionate towards your pastors. You know, they are doing the best with what they know how. I think there are some concerning things. I'm seeing more and more pastors getting kind of cancelled. There's been another one recently over the way that they've treated hundreds of volunteers over the years and interns. And I get it. And I think there needs to be kickback on that. Absolutely. Um, but then if you can see it from our point of view, um, that when everyone's kind of putting their stuff on us, that can be a heavy burden to, to, pay, to bear. And one thing I always remember is this, I'm not your savior, Jesus is. Pastors are not your savior, Jesus is. But at the same time, we are there to shepherd and to lead and to love you. And I think, like I said, if we know better, we do better. That's why I have so much time and absolutely love people like Mike Pilavachi. He is one of my favorite human beings in the world. He wrote the um, he wrote the um, endorsement for our book that we just wrote, and we could have put a thousand other endorsements on there. And I just didn't want them. I just Cameron and I were like, you know what? We just we care about what Mike thinks. We just want Mike's endorsement. Um, and funny enough, he messaged me later. And, uh, and he goes, um, he actually talked about our kids. He goes, you have raised three of the best human beings that I know, like kudos to you guys. And I was like, yeah, see, that's what Mike's looking at. Mike looks at character and he knows the tough things that, that we've dealt with over the years. And he's just been so good to us. So people like Mike, who've always kept it real and showed us how to keep it real. That's, um, you know, he's just been such an inspiration. And that's why we wrote a book with the title Hearts on the High School Floor, because to me, leadership and pastoring is about caring for people's hearts. So guys, there you go. I hope if you're a pastor or you're a leader that you have taken stuff um, away from that. Listen to it again. Ask God, Lord, what can I improve on? What can I change? And um, yeah, so there you go. And thank you to everybody that participated. Thank you to everybody that sent something in because I really appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And I will be back on Friday for Parenthood Friday. Otherwise, come back next week. We're going to do a fun one. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Anyway, love you guys. Bye. <laughs>